We'll hear argument now on number 89-1158, Mercedel W. Miles versus Apex Marine Corporation. Uh, Mr. Hardin. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. In Moran versus State Marine Lines, this Court recognized the general maritime wrongful death cause of action. In Sealand Services v. Godet, this Court established the damages allowed thereunder. In this case, the Court has the opportunity to address and define the beneficiaries who may recover under this cause of action. Additionally, the Court has the opportunity to define what damages are allowed under a general maritime survival action. Correct, Your Honor. The facts of this case involve the death of a 24-year-old seaman who was uh, horrendously killed off the coast of the state of Washington. He was survived only by his parents. There was no issue or wife. Unseaworthiness was found as a matter of law, and Jones Act negligence was assessed. First issue that this course must address is whether or not a dependency must be established by the parents before they have a claim for loss of society damages. The second issue is whether or not an estate under a survival action has a claim for decedent's economic loss when not otherwise recovered. The context of this case must be remembered because in Moran, what the court did was to bring into the 20th century the maritime wrongful death cause of action. What it has also done by that case is to foreclose state remedies in the maritime jurisdiction. Before that wasn't the case, and this takes on great importance when it comes to deaths that result in territorial waters because state remedies no longer apply. In fact, those have been foreclosed. A case that is of significance in this area is Foremost v. Richardson, where it was held that if two pleasure boats in a collision on the Amite River in the state of Louisiana was held to fall within the maritime jurisdiction. So that death cases on, in territorial waters, the damages are established by this court. Well, you're talking about a lot of different overlaps, aren't here, Mr. Harden, aren't you? Yes, Your Honor. The Jones Act, the Death on the High Seas Act, uh, uh, the Mar- maritime law. Uh, you're not suggesting that in this case the court can straighten out all the edges? No, I think it's impossible, Your Honor, just given the contradictory nature of the various statutes. The point I was trying to make is that now that there is a federal wrongful death cause of action in the maritime law, state remedies no longer apply in that area. And it takes, it's significant. It's very significant because in the old days when the Harrisburg was good law, state remedies would apply. In this particular case, we're dealing with a Jones Act seaman, and what I'm trying to show, and, and the first issue I'd like to address, is whether parents must establish financial dependency. The Fifth Circuit says they must. I submit that it, that is an incorrect decision, and the basis being first. Th- this of, is in a wrongful death action. Yes, Your Honor. Yeah, right. I'm not speaking yes. of the survival action right, at okay. this point. Yeah. Well, I suppose we have to decide whether there is uh, such a cause of action. I, I think you're kind of jumping over a critical step. Uh, Your Honor, I, I am. I was getting to the dependency issue first, but to respond to your question, it's been universally recognized by the courts of appeals. The underlying courts have recognized it also. Not to recognize it would be devastating to many claims because when you're talking about uh, non-semen, you're talking about pain and suffering being done away with, medical expenses. Well, why time. should this court create such a cause of action if Congress hasn't done well, what, so? What are, you, what are you talking about? Uh, wrongful death action? No, I, I, the question was directed to the survival action, okay. and that was, was what I was addressing. Congress has not spoken in this area, and that is correct. But I think this court is well aware of the authority it has within the admiralty jurisdiction. And it has exercised that jurisdiction before, for example, in Moran and in Godet. 
And to get to and the point, in Higginbotham. And also in Higginbotham, Your Honor. But to get to the point of the wrongful death on the statutory, uh, that is, on the statutory guides that are be, to be utilized, the point I'm making here is that dependency does not have to be established in order to have a claim under DOSA or under the Jones Act. Dependency as an adjective appears before next of kin and relatives. It does not appear before parents. And I, and I think Congress had the intention of allowing parents to have a recovery even if they were not dependent. For example, in this very case, Mrs. Miles had a, an award of $7,800 even though she was not dependent. The, the other you're, you're talking now about a wrongful death claim yep. and not a survivor claim. Correct, Your Honor. I'm, I'm in the wrongful death area, not the survival action. And what's the statutory text you're, you're appealing to now? Uh, death on the High Seas Act. Where, where, where is it in your, in your brief that, that you say parents the, are not? It's in the appendix, Your Honor. Well, why don't you give me a page so I can, I can look at the words. Okay. It's on page A1, and the Jones Act is referred to on the subsequent pages, and it applies FELA, F-E-L-A. But where, where you said... Uh, um, you're, you're relying on, on, the, on the language for the exclusive benefit of the decedent's wife, husband, parent, child, or dependent relative? What, what, what language are you relying on? I am relying on that very language. What has happened is the lower court has said in order to claim loss of society damages, dependency has to be established. I represent the parents of a deceased seaman. My point is that if we are to look to the statutes as a guide, as this court has held, then you will see that dependency as an adjective only comes after parents. You're not, ta- you're not saying the death on the high seas act covers your case. No, not at you're all. You're saying by analogy. Not at all. In fact, it's been specifically Ellen Goday, the distinction, and in Higginbotham, that the distinction was made, this is territorial water claim as opposed to the death on the high seas claim. And the Jones Act does not allow loss of society damages for uh, death resulting from negligence. Isn't that right? It, it, it does not allow does not. non-pecuniary damages for deaths caused by negligence of the ship owner. That's correct, Your Honor. And if we were to confine that Gaudet case to its facts, I guess we wouldn't find any basis for liability here. I, but you would, Your Honor. I'm saying that Gaudet, what it did was it recognized the damages of loss of society in the general maritime mm-hmm. law. That action applies to seamen on the unseaworthiness claim, as opposed to his Jones Act claim, which comes on the law side of the court. But I'd also like to point out, as far as dependency, I would submit that it's inappropriate to use that as a requirement, since loss of society damages are non-financially based. They don't arise from any financial connection with the decedent. They, are, they, they speak directly to the bonds that would take place between family members. Well, how, how, how much of a family bond is there between an emancipated seaman, 23 or 24 years old, and, and his adult parents? There is some, Your Honor. Well, it, how, how much, though? It, it's not like having children at home. Well, if, if it's a matter of to quantify, then that may very well go to the issue of damages as to the amount, as to what is the relationship between that person and the, and the decedent. Well, the, the you, fact, you, you might say that in a particular case, one's great aunt was very dear to him, and there was a loss of society there. But that doesn't mean you create a cause of action for the loss of society of your great aunt. You draw the line based largely on, as a group, is there, does there tend to be a significant loss of society here? 
Your Honor, I submit that there is a, a tremendous loss of society. This is the youngest child of this lady. Uh, there was a close bond that existed between the two. When he came back to the city, they would, he would stay there. Your Honor, they are real damages. I agree that a line has to be drawn, and I'm not saying here to, to extend it to, to whoever you could make up or include as a person that it would have some connection. What about brothers and sisters? They would not be unless they are dependent, because I'm saying to apply the statutes, that is, DOSHA and the Jones Act as the guides. If the, if the brothers and sisters are non-dependent, they would not qualify for loss of society damages. However, parents don't have a dependency requirement. And I'm saying draw the line like Congress drew the line. That's all I'm asking. I'm not here for mothers-in-laws or brothers and, uh, or non-dependent brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles. In fact, I've got a, a, a class that I view as more manageable than a dependency. A mother-in-law could be dependent upon the deceased seaman, and she would have a claim for loss of society damages. Is, is it clearly established that non-dependent parents may recover for loss of society under death in the high seas? No. Clearly established that they may not. All right. Just like the and, Jones Act. And same with the Jones Act. That correct? is correct. All right. But there's always been a traditional separation of the general maritime remedies for seamen and also the Jones Act claim under the law court on the other side. Well, yet you urge us to incorporate from the Jones Act by analogy. No. That's you, the you can't have it both ways. Well, that's the direction that the court has given, Your Honor, that to use as a guide in formulating your general maritime remedies and damages to use those, those that exist on the law side of the court. And to use that as a guide, the line that is drawn is after parents when it comes to dependencies. And, I'm, I, and, and I can't emphasize enough that I have the restrictive class because to say that, that someone is dependent is to say, well, it's based upon a financial relationship. Verdicts are going to be unreasonable, inconsistent, and unfair if that is the criteria upon which loss of society damages are to be awarded. Well, Mr. Hardin, you can make a sympathetic argument on that point, but unless we're satisfied that loss of society damages can be awarded at all, we don't get there. And Rather, I think that you have a much harder case on that question. Your Honor, I think the point that you're, you're bringing out is that, is that the Jones Act has preempted the general maritime law. That has specifically been held by this court, for example, in, in American Export Lines v. Alves, that it does not, that they do not preempt, that it is better to give the remedy than to foreclose it if there's no inflexible well, rules. this court recognized such a cause of action in uh, the circumstances here? Not under these exact circumstances, no. Your Honor. So you have to persuade us that we should. And the, the point I would make in response to that, Your Honor, is that this is a Jones Act claim on one hand, but it has always been the practice and it has been what has been uh, taken place in the lower courts is that there is likewise a general maritime claim based upon unseaworthiness. And I think the point has to be brought home this way. The court in overruling the Harrisburg addressed directly that they were applying this new cause of action to seamen. The Harrisburg involved the death of a seaman in territorial waters. And, and the respondents argue, well then, well, no, in, in Moran, by overruling the Harrisburg, only meant to apply to longshoremen and not to seamen. But why overrule a case that dealt directly with that? It, it just doesn't make sense, Your Honor, is, is what I'm pointing out. Well, there is a wrongful death action, uh, I suppose, isn't there? We, we, we have... We have recognized a wrongful death action. Yes, you have. Under the general maritime law. Yes, you have. And the Court of Appeals said, well, we won't give you uh, uh, 
uh, non-pecuniary loss because we think that we ought to hold the same as the Jones Act. And they didn't hold that, though. They didn't, Your Honor, they did not address that issue. What they said was, they said I didn't we ought to be uniform. They said we ought to have a if they, if you, didn't they take some guidance from the Jones Act? Yes, they did. They spoke in terms of the uniformity. Yeah. But uni- and Doshi. Yes. But uniformity in this area cannot be held, cannot be had, given the decision in Higginbotham. And why would, why, why would there be, in the Court of Appeals' view, a recovery for loss of society if uh, the parents were dependent? Because it, 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 it's under the general maritime law. That's where it's allowed. That is Godet applying to semen, okay. which is what I'm arguing here, that it should be applied to semen, and there shouldn't be a rule of dependency. The Godet, bottom line in the Godet case is that, in reality, it is a semen's case, even though it was a longshoreman, because it was based upon unseaworthiness. Well, but go, the, 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 the facts of Godet were, were uh, just longshoremen. That's correct, Your Honor. But it was a five-to-four decision. The court is not likely to extend it. Uh, it, uh, it. I understand, though, that it would still be stare decisis as far as the court is concerned. At least I'm, I'm hopeful of that. I can't say what the court's going to do. But I say the issue has already been decided. It is an unseaworthiness claim. The only reason the longshoreman has the unseaworthiness claim was because he was doing work of a seaman. So it doesn't make sense not to apply it to semen because it was a seaman's remedy. That, that was at issue there. The, the longshoreman couldn't have, been under the, what, what, couldn't have recovered under the uh, Jones Act. No, he could not. But he could utilize Even if he was doing seaman's work. That's correct. But he could utilize state remedies. And, this, and, and when the court is fashioning this remedy in terms of the seaman, you must remember that it also applies to the non-seaman alike. And what I'm trying to emphasize is by not allowing, by having no non-pecuniary damages, that is, no loss of society, what the court will end up doing if dependency is the requirement is, for example, the case I cited, Neil V. Barisic, which was upheld by the Fifth Circuit in an unpublished opinion. We had a 19-year-old seaman knocked off board a vessel by a collision. His body was found later, and the only damages that were left in that case were funeral expenses and nothing more because there was no dependency. I don't think that's what the admiralty law is all about. Take it. No, no, I don't. I don't understand what, what principle you, you're you're appealing to. That 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 somebody has to be able to collect money when somebody wrongfully dies, no matter what. I mean, you, if he has no children, no parents, we've got to find somebody to give money to. Well, it goes back in admiralty law. It goes back to the old principle that the wrongdoer should not benefit from his own wrong. That's the principle. Well, but he shouldn't have to compensate any more than there have been actual damages incurred by that wrong either. And if a person has no dependents, the the funeral expenses are the actual damages. But if there is a loss of society damage that exists, in fact, there is such a thing. Why base it upon dependency? That's not a good rule that that I would submit. It's not a good rule. if, if you're urging loss of society as a reason why we can give compensation to a whole bunch of people that aren't getting it now, I mean, you know, that, that may appeal to some and not appeal to others. Your Honor, to bring home the point in the non-semen area, there, are case, there is a situation where children, that is, 17 through 19 years old, are killed by another pleasure voter, that is, a 40-foot cigarette boat, and this is a, a real case, rakes over the top of the vessel. Impact injuries instantly kill those four children on board that vessel. 
under the law, if dependency is the requirement, because they were clearly did not support their parents, the only damages that would be allowed are the funeral expenses. State law at least allowed those type of damages, the non-pecuniary damages, but this court, by creating the wrongful death remedy, has taken those state remedies out. Mr. Hardin, can I just stop you right Have we held that? That, that there are no state remedies in territorial waters? Your Honor, you've held it in the language that was used in Moran. Part of the reason for Moran was to do away with the conflicting state remedies. Admiralty law was to be uniform. The lower federal courts have interpreted it that way, that you have done away with. It's the reverse Erie doctrine, is what it is. State courts are required to apply the, the is federal that uniform? Is it uniformly held in the lower courts that there is no state, uh, state wrongful death action in the territorial waters? The case uh, in tru- the, is uniformly held. Uh, all I know is the cases that, that have been decided. In the Fifth Circuit, S.S. Helena specifically held that. The case I cited, True Hard v. Blandon, specifically holds that. Neal v. Barisic specifically holds that. And I think the lower courts are, are they all right. Fifth, are they all Fifth Circuit cases? Yes. just wonder if that's critical to your argument. I'm just not, not sure it is. Well, it, it's not critical to the, to the element of the argument. I'm just I'm trying to bring home the point of the effect of this ruling we'll have in the general maritime law. It goes beyond just semen. It's the ship owner's position that dependency was what was required to be shown as per Gode simply by the use of that term by this court. I would point out that in the dissent in Gode, there the, the organ for the court said that we have yet to decide who the beneficiaries are under this cause of action. So that Gode is not a case that establishes that only dependents can recover this item of damages. And I've also cited to the court Cohen v. Virginia, where the general expressions in one opinion do not necessarily control the very point when it comes to issue in another case. The ship owner also argues that the uh, Jones, uh, that is, that the Jones Act preempts. And I pointed out that in the Harrisburg, that's, that is definitely not the case because it overruled the Siemens case. And more importantly, in Moran, the court addressed the third anomaly. And the third anomaly was that longshoremen who were relying upon the unseaworthiness claim, which is a seaman's remedy, were granted a wrongful death cause of action by relying upon state remedies in territorial waters, where a Jones Act seaman, because it preempted the state law, was not allowed a claim. If a seaman died strictly from an unseaworthiness condition and not Jones Act negligence, then there would be no recovery in that case. And the court in Godet, when it was referring to Moran about the three anomalies, said that Moran ended these anomalies. So clearly the court was saying that the benefit was being provided to seamen. The same thing is addressed in footnote 12 of Moran, where it's clear from that that... The we were either saying that or we were mistaken. Uh, I mean, it was... It was <laughs> it, it's your call. Your, it, it, well, it, we, we weren't holding that it, that it ended the anomalies if it, if it in fact didn't. I mean, that was our interpretation, I suppose, of what that the effect of the earlier case was, but that might have been, might have been an error. I mean, we didn't purport to be holding anything new in that case. I, I can only tell you what the court said in Godet, saying that Moran ended these anomalies. Me, there are still some anomalies around. Oh, they, they, I, I think today's argument has convinced me. Also, in American Export Lines v. Alves, the issue of statutory preemption was addressed directly, and then it was it, and, and clearly rejected. 
The second issue in this case is whether or not an estate has a claim for a decedent's economic loss when not recovered by loss of support. It's our position that there is clearly a, a survival action under the general maritime law. I am now on, on that part of it. Uh, Your Honor, I would submit that what the Evich Court in this, in this instance was trying to do was to place back the seaman, the basic principle, to the position he would have been had he not been killed. And by that I mean is that had he lived his normal life, there would have been an estate at the end of that life that would have gone to his beneficiaries. And that's all the Evich Court has done, is put that person back where he was before, that there would have been an estate. We are not talking about substantial damages. We are talking about actually a, a small amount. For example, in your head, uh, the case relied upon in Evich, the total award for a residual estate was $10,000 because it's net earnings offset by consumption to present value. We're not talking about a significant item of damages. Well, well you're going to tell us next, aren't you, that lost wages should be included? Uh, it, it, it forms an element of what was going to be generated by the estate, but if the rule to be applied is as it was in your head, then we're dealing with the residual estate, which is, is after consumption, which would have been recovered on a loss of support side. And, and I should point out that in an unpublished opinion, that decision was followed by the Ninth Circuit in case number 873984, Lassignay v. Bacon. Uh, Your Honor, I'd like to reserve the balance of my time. Very well, Mr. Hardin. Uh, Mr. Galpi, we'll hear now from you. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. Neil V. Barisic, cited by Mr. Hardin, said there was no recovery except for funeral expenses. To answer the query of Justice Scalia, that was the proper result in that case. Just because there's an accident or death doesn't automatically mean there's liability, and just because there's liability doesn't automatically mean there is a person entitled to recover damages. I was going to be a di bit different in my approach to my argument, but there's some things I think I need to say first. Moraine involved a longshoreman. At that time, a longshoreman had a cause of action under state law if it provided him a remedy for unseaworthiness, and Moran gave the longshoreman. Admittedly, Moran painted with a broad brush, but it was a longshoreman's case, and it gave the longshoreman the right to sue for unseaworthiness in the event of a death case. Godet, some four years... Before you leave, Marin, when you say it painted with a broad brush, I take it you're saying that nothing in the opinion made it uh, seem to turn on the fact the man was a longshoreman. I think there is some language in Moran that, that has been seized upon. Seized upon is too strong a word, Mr. Justice Brennan. Uh, Stevens is too strong a word, which has been interpreted by the lower courts to say that Moran applied to seamen. There is no case, to my knowledge which has given a general maritime law, wrongful death benefit, no Supreme Court case right. to a seaman. Lindgren in 1930 said, no, that's not what the Jones Act meant. Gillespie 34 years later said, no, that's not what the Jones Act meant. And I suggest that the, the reasoning, Your Honor's opinion in Higginbottom and, and Justice uh, O'Connor's opinion in Talentire said, where Congress has set out a scheme and has entered the field and has preempted the field, you all were both talking about death on the High Seas Act in those cases, where Congress has entered the field and has preempted it, it has struck the balance for us. It did not create in, in, in the Death on the High Seas Act a remedy which required and gave only pecuniary loss to encourage courts to ex expand or supplement that remedy. Godet in 1974 was a five to four decision with a vigorous dissent. It applied to a longshoreman. By the Circuit Justice of the Fifth Circuit. Sir? 
The dissent was by the circuit justice for the Fifth Circuit. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but even if you apply Godet to Seaman, which I don't think we can extend it that far, clearly. Wouldn't you, you, wouldn't you have been surprised, be surprised, though, that, if, that the majority in Godet, five or whatever it was, uh, would have come out differently if uh, Seaman had been injured? I, I think... Congress enters the field for the seamen, and I think the answer is yes, Your Honor. Alves, uh, an opinion cited by... by well, you mean uh, because of the Jones Act? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. In answer to... Uh, did you make the, this point in your brief that there's no wrongful death action at all for the, for the seamen? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. The, the, the query posed by Mr. Chief Justice, can we straighten all the edges? This is a very confused field. But except for the Jones Act, uh, I would suppose that the majority would have come out uh, uh, the same way if it had been for a seaman, because uh, uh, the Jones Act was uh, cited right in their face. The Jones Act didn't apply in Godet. I know, but I know, but they have cited by analogy. Why should the Jones Act, why should you come out differently than the Jones Act does? Because That was the argument of the dissent. Yes, the the Jones Act struck the balance, to use Mr. Justice Stevens' words, struck the balance, and he was talking about the Death on the High Seas Act, but it's a similar federal statute created in, passed in 1920 and supplemented by the Federal Employers Liability Act of 1908 as amended in 1910 to provide remedies for seamen. But how about in Moraine? I, the same argument could have been made about the Jones Act sort of thing, and that didn't prevent the court from recognizing a cause of action there. The Moran did not deal with the Jones Act. It, it dealt with, dealt with, with, with creating the, a wrongful death remedy for, for a, a long Sure, but the same type of argument could have been made there, and the court there, there, there would have recognized been, a cause of action. There, there would, there would, I don't know that that argument was, in fact, made. I don't read the opinion as, 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 as overcoming that argument. As I, as I said before, I, I view the opinion as painted with a very broad brush, and, which I think has been narrowed by the wisdom of this court in Higginbottom and Tallentine. Uh, Alvarez says the Jones Act doesn't regulate longshoremen that strictly. Of course not. The Jones Act doesn't rec- regulate longshoremen at all. It applies to seamen. Now, it was mention of the third anomaly, and, and Mr. Justice Scalia commented on that a bit. The third anomaly doesn't exist if we throw out Moran, because from 1972 on, a longshoreman, uh, the 1972 amendments to the Longshoremen and Harbor Workers Act, has no injury or death remedy for unseaworthiness. But, but what this court has the opportunity... Doesn't need it. Sir? Doesn't need it. Well, whether he does or doesn't, <laughs> he's got a compensation act, but for damages he has to prove negligence. So the, the anomaly does not exist if we, if we, if we say that the General Maritime Law wrong, Wrongful Death Statute doesn't apply in a Siemens case, a true Siemens case. But this court can straighten the edges and make uniform the law as it applies to Siemens, a particular class for which an act, the Jones Act in 1920, was passed... The Jones Act was passed to overcome partially the Harrisburg and partially the Osceola, which said the seaman has no cause of action for the negligence of a fellow servant and no cause of action for the negligence of his employer. The Jones Act said, we're going to change that. They did not see fit to change the, the, the Harrisburg rule to the extent that it allowed a cause of action for death based on unseaworthiness. Well, I guess all the lower courts have recognized a survival action, haven't they? And you think of any that haven't? I, I don't think they've recognized it, except for Evich, in the case of a Jones Act seaman. 
And, and Ibich, as, as I discuss in the brief, we suggest is, is just a wrong decision. Ibich and, 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 and the decision of Judge Beeks and your head upon which Ibich, too, I'm talking about, Treated it as a do- dose of death on the high sea scheme. Evich was a seaman, as I read the cases, including the original Berg v. Chevron case. So there was no reason to supplement the Death on the High Seas Act, which provides no survival action. Since Evich was a seaman, the Jones Act, through Section 59 of the FELA, provides a survival action. And that survival action, if I may discuss that for a moment now, has been interpreted by Kraft to be that which the decedent would have had available to him but for his death, and the Kraft language in 1915 specifically addresses the point raised by Petitioner, taking no notice of what he might have become or what he might have earned during his lifetime. That was, that was, that was a FELA case which applies to the Jones Act. Arguing that there should be no survival action in this case at all? No general maritime law survival action available to the beneficiaries of well, the Well, the Fifth Circuit uh, recognizes such, though, doesn't it? Not in, not in a seaman's case, I don't think. They well, did, they did, they what's, involved, what's involved in this case? A this, seaman? This case, the seaman... The, the, well, I know, but the Fifth Circuit re, uh, held that in a survival action, you can't, you can't recover wages. Future loss wages. Yeah. But... but the, well, I know, but why did they get to that if there wasn't a survival action Because they said, they said that the position of the petitioner in, in citing Evich v. Morris, they didn't agree with Evich v. Morris, and, and that's where we have a split in the circuits. The Ninth Circuit said, in, in that one decision, said that a general maritime law survival action yeah. exists which encompasses the future law. Exactly. I, but you don't need to reach that issue if there's no survival action at all. I, I don't think there is in the case of a true seaman, Your Honor. Well, uh, there's a, isn't there a true seaman here? Yes, sir. Well, the uh, but Circuit, the Fifth Circuit didn't, didn't hold that there's no survival action at all. It didn't give him one. Well, they, they gave him the survival action for conscious. They gave the, the, the mother, Mrs. Yeah. Miles, the, the survival action for conscious pain and suffering under the yes. Jones Act. Yes. The Jones Act has a survival section yes. brought in through the Death on the High Seas Act, Section 59. Yes. And he sued under the Jones Act. Yes, sir. And he recovered a verdict, and that verdict was satisfied. And what, and, and what was the verdict for? Conscious pain and suffering and losses. During his lifetime. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. And, and, and but you are going farther than the Fifth Circuit. I mean, they, they assume, as Justice White says, there's a survival action to recover that kind of damage. You say, well, there isn't even that. There is I certainly, this, there is, Mr. Justice Stevenson, there is certainly a survival action as provided by the Jones Act, and that's what the Fifth Circuit approved, and that's what we paid. That, that part of the case is gone. The Fifth Circuit said the survival action is under the Jones Act and doesn't contemplate loss of wages. Well, that's right. That's right. But now there's a, there's a claim... There's a claim that there's a survival action under the maritime law. General maritime law. General maritime Council, law. here's what the Fifth Circuit said, just, just on this point. I just want to make it clear. My understanding is the Fifth Circuit did recognize, under general maritime law, a survival cause of action, not for these damages that we're discussing. That's here. correct. All right. I agree with you. And, then, and Justice O'Connor was correct earlier when she said all of the circuits have agreed that have addressed this point, that there is such a survival cost of action for other kinds of damages, not these damages. That's, that's correct. All right. But you're arguing there isn't one. There is one as for a seaman. Well, I know, but you're saying under the general maritime law there is none. Not to a seaman because his rights are All right. There is, in this case, there's no, under the maritime law, he has no cause of action on a survival basis. 
I think that's a correct reading. Then you're, at, then you're really asking for a greater relief than the, than the uh, Fifth Circuit gave you. I started and I guess you didn't uh, cross-petition, did you? On, 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 on another issue on this. This is a matter of law. If, if, if we held that uh, there, were, there was uh, no survival action under general maritime law in this case, uh, would we do anything other than affirm the judgment of the Court of Appeals? I think you would hold what Higginbottom suggested should be held and what I think Talentire did. Uh, on, yes, you would affirm it. There, I think there are decisions which, and I don't, but I don't think Judge Rubin's decision was one. I think there are decisions where, and I can't quote one to Your Honor, where they may have said a Jones Act seaman, Evich v. March is a specific one where the Ninth Circuit said a Jones Act seaman has, a, in addition to whatever he has under the Jones Act, a general maritime law survival action. Now, now, now the future damages to, that, that, that are sought in this case are not survival damages because they don't accrue to the decedent while he lived. And as, as the language of Godet, which, which talked about survival versus wrongful death, it said survival damages are those which the decedent could have recovered but for his death. These are damages the estate, an inanimate non-dependent estate, I might add, which, which Judge Rubin found important, occur, seek because of his death. So it's not the but for, it's because of. It, the damages sought by the petitioner in this case are not given by any of the federal statutes involved. And, 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 and I can't emphasize often enough how this court has recognized in 1978 and again in 1986 that where Congress has struck the balance, it did not do so to encourage courts to supplement specified items of recovery and, and theories of recovery. The decision in Evich versus Morris seems to me to be based on the, the, the the rather inartfully expressed, I suggest, uh, language that giving or give the estate these survival damage, the, the, these damages as survival, because if you don't, you reward a tortfeasor for killing his victim rather than injuring him. That smacks strongly of punitive damages. It's, it says, so that you don't reward him, let's punish him. Now, the, the, there is somebody who's been punished in this case, as properly should have been. Clifford Melrose is the murderer, and he is in jail. The, 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 the jury well, found... But we're talking about unseaworthiness generally, and it's recognized in the law of torts that compensation is in part to... large part to ensure proper conduct on the part of employers. That's, that's hardly a novel principle. I, I'm glad Your Honor mentioned the word unseaworthiness, because unseaworthiness in this specific case was found to be liability without fault. And I think it really strains reason to say where somebody is liable without fault, as Godet did and as Evich did, that you give them more damages than the Jones Act, which requires fault. Congress considered the rights and remedies it wanted to give the seaman. It passed the Jones Act to overcome some of the problems with, with the Osceola and the Harrisburg. That was in 1920. In 1930, the United States Supreme Court in Lindgren considered whether the, the, the decedent uh, beneficiaries had a cause of action under the unseaworthiness claim, and, and the court said no, that's not what Congress did. Thirty-four years later, Gillespie considered the same issue and said 
Congress hasn't amended the, the statute since then. It still means what it says. To this date, Congress has not amended the statute, despite Moran. Congress knows how to amend the statute when they want to. They, they, in, in 1982, they limited the remedies available to Jones Act workers or people who want to be Jones Act workers in the foreign oil fields, foreign nationals, and foreign territorial waters. Uh, the, the Death on the High Seas Act was amended in, in about 1980 or 83 to extend the period of limitations to three years rather than two. While it doesn't relate to Seaman's right, Congress acted in 1972 to amend the Longshoremen and Harbor Workers Act to take away from uh, Autry Godet and Edward Moran and, and, and their beneficiaries after 1972. For accidents occurring after 1972, they don't have any more unseaworthiness remedies. So Congress knows how to act and, and, and has acted. The language of Godet, if, if we assume, and, and I'm just about finished unless the Court has some more, some more questions, if we assume that Godet for some reason should extend to semen, and I submit earnestly it should not, and that the, the decision of this Court in Higginbottom, and, and, and while slightly different in Talentine, but the principle was the same, that Congress has entered the field for Jones Act. It Again, on this point, I just want to be sure I haven't lost track of the case. The Fifth Circuit in this case assumed that the cause of action was available to Seaman. Yes, sir, it did. Assumed that both causes of action were available. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it did. did not allow the recovery involved. Yes, sir, it did. May I just ask, ask you your own view? Do you think that the Moraine case preempted any state law causes of action death, uh, for death, uh, death actions in territorial waters? It did for a longshoreman because as far as the Supreme Court gave its opinion that, that the State Death Act did not provide a remedy based on unseaworthiness. And it was, I suggest, to fill that vacuum to give Petzanella Moran a remedy to collect for the death of her husband, who didn't have a state law remedy and, and, and had no uh, unseaworthiness remedy under the Harrisburg and had no federal statute dealing with his remedies against tort thesis, created that remedy. And I think they painted with too broad a brush so that some of the district courts and the appellate courts have, have implied, felt that it applied to semen. But I think that the, the language... The, the Florida case you mentioned, I'm, I don't know, it's probably not cited in the briefs, but the Florida case, the Florida Supreme Court held that the federal cause of action prevented the state of Florida as a matter of preemption from no, no, having sir. its state law... No, no, uh, sir. Florida, Florida was... Moran, Ms. Moran sued under the Florida death statute. Right. And, and the, the district court or the Court of Appeals, and I don't remember which, but it's discussed in the Moran opinion, certified to the Florida State Supreme Court the question of whether its wrongful death statute encompassed an unseaworthiness remedy, and the answer was no. The answer was no, but that was a matter of state law. But my, my question, <laughs> it seemed to be everybody understands this except me, but, but uh, I, I'm trying to People don't understand this whole field. It's very confusing. Your well, but the, it's a simple proposition. The question I'm, I'm uncertain about, and your opponent seemed to be certain, is, did Moraine have the effect, because it held a maritime cause of action and territorial waters, uh, for the uh, death in territorial waters existed, did that preempt any state uh, attempt to create a state cause of action for death in territorial waters? I, I would think it did for Longshoremen, because that's the class of, 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 of claimant it dealt with. You think it did, but you, it, it really hasn't. Has it been decided, do you know? I'm not aware of anything yeah. specifically okay. on that. No, sir. Yeah. And, and there is no court saying that Moran, a 
applies to a seaman. There ain't no Supreme Court saying that. The, the, the times the issue of, 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 of a Jones Act seaman's rights to recover for unseaworthiness in a death case have been before this court when Lindgren and Gillespie, and they said no. General Maritime Law survival statute was in Cortez, and they said no. The Jones Act covers it. And I think the opinions in, in, in Higginbottom and Talentire soundly state the principle why those old decisions, someone said hoary but, 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 but valid, are, are valid decisions. But haven't all the lower courts for 20 years read Moraine as, as indicating there's a general maritime wrongful death act for semen? I, I, wouldn't, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree all, but a lot of them have. Oh, I think but, pretty, you'd be very hard-pressed to find any that well, have. The ones in the Fifth Circuit have, because I've had that issue before. But I think your honest reasoning in, 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 in Talentire versus Offshore Logistics versus Talentire and, and, and Justice Stevens's reasoning in Higginbottom, while they dealt with death on the High Seas Act, would apply equally, if not more so, with respect to the Jones Act, which is to take care of seamen wherever they are. It was remedial legislation passed to take care of seamen and, and to protect them and their dependents. Dependency is, is required in the Death on the High Seas Act. Pecuniary loss is required. I suggest that the, the You know, it's entirely consistent with that. Of course, they sure, they're intended to take care of seamen wherever they are, but they do not necessarily foreclose other remedies that may be provided to seamen by either other statutes, maritime law, state law, whatever it is. I mean, the fact that it was a general protection for seamen is not quite the same as saying it's the only protection seamen may get, which is what you're arguing, as I understand you. Yeah, yes, sir, it is. And, and I, would, I would adopt your reasoning in, in Higginbottom, Your Honor, which applied to say that there is no general maritime law remedy available to someone who's subject to death on the High Seas Act, why is that given any more deference than the Jones Act, which is for a specific class of beneficiaries? Now, I'm almost finished, and obviously, unless the Court has any more questions, a couple more points I would like to make. Uh, if we have a, a loss of society remedy available, and I strongly suggest that the Jones Act precludes that, uh, Moran said... We do not decide who are the beneficiaries, and we do not decide the remedies. That's grist for the mills of the lower courts. But the practical difficulties of deciding about the class of beneficiaries is something that will have to be done. Godet, whether I like the decision or not, whether it applies to semen or not, used the words dependent, dependent upon, so many times that I can't believe Justice Brennan meant anything but dependency as we understand it. If there have been more questions, I'll sit down. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Galpi. Mr. Hardin, you have eight minutes remaining. Justice Stevens, I would only point you to the uh, case, Fifth Circuit, matter of S.S. Helena, 529 F. 2nd, 744, where it specifically held that a state wrongful death statute was preempted by the Moran cause of action. Also, in Trueheart, they referred to a Supreme Court case, East River Steamship, found in 476 U.S., What I would would respond as far as the loss of society damage claim is that the lower courts have, in fact, recognized a seaman's claim for this item of damages. It's clearly recognized for injuries. What we're asking is that it be recognized certainly for for wrongful death under the general maritime law. Even this defendant did not raise that issue in the lower court. It wasn't an issue. The only issue was dependency, whether or not dependency had to be established before loss of society damages could be had. Also, the respondent relies upon Gillespie and Lindgren. The commentators have all pointed out that those cases have been overruled by Moran 
through the, uh, through the wording used and the language there. The commentators clearly recognize that. We as practitioners have recognized it because we always, when we're dealing with an admiralty case, is link up the general maritime claim on the admiralty side of the court with the Jones Act claim. The Jones Act was passed in order to expand Siemens remedies, not to limit them. It certainly wasn't meant by Congress to do away with the general maritime causes of action that a seaman has under that area of the law. Uh, this court recognizes, no doubt, that seamen are the wards of this court, that it is better to give the well, remedy. Uh, then, Mr. Hardin, uh, then yes. that statement appears in, in some cases that seamen are wards of the court. But th that dates from centuries ago, when seamen really were in a tough position. They have unions now. They make good money. Uh, I, don't you think that's a little bit uh, language of the past? Your Honor, I, I disagree. I respectfully disagree. A seaman has to go out. He's under the command of the master at the, all times that he's on the vessel. He's subjected to wherever that vessel goes, wherever the captain sends it. He's subjected to uh, the hazards of the sea, that is, the machinery and all of the equipment that's utilized there. It's not a rule that should be done away with or a viewpoint that should be done away with. They're still under the, the orders of the captain and must do what they're told. Well, certainly, but that doesn't necessarily mean hardship. There are statutes that limit what the, will limit what the captain can do to them. Uh, they can't walk away from the vessel, Your Honor. They cannot without being charged with some criminal conduct that actually that the captain mm -hmm. has the right to charge them with on, on their own. Maybe, maybe they're wards of the captain. Well, they are wards in that sense they are, because I think that is what the court is trying to do by saying that, is to impose a burden upon the captain to watch these men. And that's exactly what the court has done by, say, by stating Do you that. ever consider the union, the union and the captain, does the union run it or does the captain run it? The captain runs it, Your Honor. You want to bet? <laughs> But when that vessel's out there, when that vessel out there is out there, it is the captain that operates the vessel, Your Honor. Well, actually, the, the, uh, the, it's interesting because they're saying there's no general maritime cause of action, yet Justice, uh, Judge Rubin recognized that they had a cause of action under general maritime law against the union, despite all of the congressional act, acts dealing with unions. And that didn't preempt. And certainly the Jones Act and DOSHA don't preempt as far as the general maritime claims are concerned. As far as the estate's claim, I think it's important to recognize that those damages place that estate back to where it would have been. And what Evich Court was saying was going back to the old common law principle that the wrongdoer does not benefit from his wrong. And for that reason, those damages should be allowed. It may be a peculiar item of damages, but in, under the admiralty law, there are other peculiar items. There's limitation of liability. There's general average. There are rules in the admiralty courts that certainly are unusual, and there should be no reason why this element of damages should not be allowed under a survival action, especially given the interpretation that it's better to give the remedy than to deny it and the humane and generous character of the admiralty law that's long been recognized by this court. If there's no further questions, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. Harden. The case is submitted. Thank you.